grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the show, quick rundown of the show. One of my favorite things used to be hanging out with friends, getting drunk, doing drugs, getting in trouble and reminiscing about old stories. I'm sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do, to hang out with people and talk shit, talk shop, reminisce about the good old days. I will normally be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City. I say all the way, even though we are just a few minutes away from each other. (laughs) Joining me, comedian, uh, Letterman, True TV, all sorts of credits. Very funny. Kevin McCaffrey. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks what's, for th- thanks for having me join you. Your your apartment looks lovely. One mile you. away from where I am, I think, right now. We had full disclosure to the listeners. We we had a um because I've been so used to trying to book people in New York so we could do it in person, and you're so used to doing everything via Zoom because of the pandemic. Because you've been in New York, mm-hmm. that literally like an hour before we were going to record, I was like, "Hey, man, this is my address," and you were like what <laughs> yeah it's it I, I i was shocked to know people could see each other in person again even though you and i did that fairly fairly recently over yeah we hung stand, out at the but, stand yeah um but yes no we are we we're here th- thankfully from one mile apart but yeah. uh, but just in, inches in voice so and the good news is you are professional so you have a real <laughs> mic so <laughs> yes. I'm as, I mean, that is very comedian professional to be like, you're a professional. You had no idea what this was supposed to be 20 <laughs> minutes ago. You fucked up already. And uh, but you do have a microphone. So but that's you already, do have that's a working mic here. Yeah, exactly. And your sound quality is great. There's there are Thank times you. where I've I, and I told you this before we started recording, but I'll have people on from Florida or wherever, mainly Florida, because that's where I'm from. And they'll be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got a mic. Don't worry about it. And then we'll log on and I'll start recording and they start talking. And I go, this isn't. <laughs> this sounds like you're in a cave. Like, yes. what are we doing? Right. Like, yeah, I have a telephone is what they mean in a lot, yeah. of, in a lot of cases. Or they have like exactly AirPods the and they're not even the pros. They're just like, yeah, I've got regular AirPods. That mic's good, right? Yeah, and they're I'm just like, doing like a Kyrie Irving uh, anti-vax uh, Instagram live, basically. Yeah. And they're like <laughs> thinking it's a radio show. It's like, no, this is we, we're, we're trying a little harder here. Yeah, we're actually yeah. we actually I have a mixer, a compressor. Like I actually work. <laughs> oh, damn. On yeah, that's good. Um, tell everybody, plug everything up front, your Instagram. I know you have some dates coming up in Florida. A lot of our listeners are in Florida. So plug all that. Yeah, no, I'm going to be, uh, in Palm Harbor on the 19th and 20th of November, November 19th and 20th in Palm Harbor, Florida at snappers, I believe is what it's, I believe is what it's called. Once again, big professional here, but yeah, I'll be, uh, those are, those are the Florida dates. I might have a couple coming up on either side, but I know I'll be in Palm Harbor the 19th and 20th. Uh, I'm at Kevin McCaff on all the things, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, And I can't believe when you were like, Oh, what do you want me to bring you up, up? with uh, to start this i i have an album and the title of it is nice and drunk and i mean this is the theme of the show yeah but the title of my album is nice and drunk those are two things i am and uh yeah and i guess that fits perfectly with the theme boom beautiful it's almost like you released the album because you knew you were coming on the show i knew i was like three years later i'm gonna this is gonna be really (laughs) appropriate i'm not gonna bring it up right away but uh, i'll get into it we'll slow play it Uh, Mm um Tell um so for everyone listening, you you are a comedian. How long have you been doing comedy for? Been doing stand up. 
was stand up for, I guess, 13. I started stand up, I would say, for real. Like, started doing mics probably like middle of 07, late okay. uh, 07. Um, started doing mics and then, you know, uh, probably seriously and consistently since 2008. Um, when I was in college, I did, I basically, my whole life was basically, I started and hosted and ran. Uh, like a college late night talk show that was oh really whole, okay yeah that was my whole life so that we, we and we ended up doing shows it would basically be a hybrid of like you know like a like a letterman and a saturday night live kind of um and that would be ultimately we're doing that for a live audience and i was hosting it all the time but it wasn't it wasn't specifically stand-up but yeah. i had done a lot of stuff for audiences before i started stand-up so yeah. So did what did you always have like a passion for entertainment or is that what you went to school for or yeah, I basically was as a kid, I was obsessed with sports and then uh, specifically like Letterman, Conan, SNL, okay. at, at, like at a weirdly early age. Like I was I remember my mom, if I was like getting good grades, you know, if I was doing well, I could stay up later and watch the guy who came on after Johnny Carson, which was Letterman, who I liked better. But I was like an eight-year-old, nine-year-old watch, you know, I was yeah. an eight-year-old who liked late night talk shows. Um, so I was into that. Uh, but you know, I first wanted to play for the Bulls, and then that didn't work out for several <laughs> reasons. And then once that stopped, uh, I yeah, started doing a radio show in high school and uh and then went to a college that had like a good TV program, basically. That was oh, like okay. the only thing I was like. Well, that for. makes a lot of sense. And then it came full circle. Hang on one second. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of totally professional, my <laughs> yeah. dog is trying to get off the couch. Uh, hey, doggy. She cannot function on her own. So, <laughs> but speaking of Letterman was, mm -hmm. so you got Letterman, how long were you in doing, you got Letterman as a stand-up, correct? Yes. So I, I interned there out of college. My last, my last uh, college credit was I ended up as an intern. I worked as the writer's intern at Letterman. And okay. then I was a page at Letterman and then uh, I worked as the assistant to the band there for a year. So this is all before I was this I, I left when I was 24 when I got a writing job at, at VH1. And uh, but I was there for a couple for a couple years as intern page and working with the band and then went back. I got booked as a stand up, uh, you know, I guess seven years after I left there. So I was five years into stand up like in uh, in 20. 2013 the end of 2013 so was that insane for you to work, yeah like not only to be a stand-up there but even before that to work there because that's something you said you know as a kid eight nine years old watching it and then you're actually on the set absolutely i mean that would i have, I have like a photo of me visiting my parents got divorced when i was pretty young and when i visit my dad like i would want to see you know nixon rangers games and then go by letterman and eventually so i have like a photo of me at like 10 with the marquee and stuff and, oh that's awesome uh, and so it was like the i i knew exactly where i wanted to go down to the address you know it's like yeah. 697 broadway that uh, 1697 broadway that's where i want to want to go so yeah i mean it was just getting the internship was surreal but then a lot of my best friends are still people who, you know, worked there for a good amount of time because those were the formative first couple years in New York. And then like when I got booked as a stand up to go back, it was it was a very like this is your life thing, because like the girl who greets me uh, at the door to take me to the green room was at my wedding. You know, oh, wow. like she, That's crazy. you know, like she as she's like a good friend of mine and the band 
remembered me because I had worked like when I was the assistant of the band, it was like Paul Schaefer in the house band. Yeah. So when they played me out, they're like on the video, they're like losing their shit because it's like the guy who used to fill our, you know, who used yeah, to the bring guy us used tea. To get his coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And photo photocopy all the sheet music is there. So, uh, yeah, it was a very, very surreal thing to get to go back. That's got to be awesome, though, because Great. a lot of the people we have on the show are you know, I, I do mostly comedians. I've had actors on and musicians and stuff, but it's a lot of times it's comedians and our the different perspectives to me is, is fascinating because there's people like me who kind of got into it. Like I got into it in 09, but then took some time off, obviously getting in trouble and doing dumb stuff. And I just kind of had a weird, slow, long road where mm -hmm. I moved to New York to be like, I'm going to make it. Now I'm back doing open mics and like trying to get to know people to get on shows and stuff. And then there are other people who just are like in their scene and that's their scene and they're cool with it. Like they don't have any aspirations of leaving right. because they're yeah. important in their scene. And then there are mm -hmm. people like you who are like, no, I always knew I wanted to do TV. As soon as I got out of college, I got an internship at one of the you know biggest late night shows in the history of television. And then I was on it like six years later. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, I've described it like this and you're, you're a sports guy too. Yeah. And, uh, and as, as am I, and I feel like I felt like I was a legit, like, First round comedy draft pick out of college, had a solid rookie year, then suffered a devastating injury, <laughs> like did nothing for a lot yeah. of years and then had like one good year pop in like 2013 Came specifically. Back, yeah. yeah, that's Derek like Rose you know, for the Knicks right now. Exactly. It's a very Derrick Rose. Uh, yeah, Derrick Rose situation. So it's like there was definitely, you know, there's been long fallow times, you know, uh, in between. But yeah, I, I sort of went straight to it I uh, as far as like what I was trying to do. You know? Yeah. And that's, and it's, it's insane because I've been talking to some uh, comics in New York lately about like what you, Matt and I have all talked about, which is, you know, if you have experience and you kind of know what you're doing, you're better off just hanging out at certain places because there's a lot of comics that produce shows or you'll run into people who produce shows and that's how you get booked on, you know, different shows. And then you get seen by bookers and you get passed and things like that. Yeah, because my experience was always you go to open mics and you just keep going to open mics and then eventually you get booked on shows. But yeah. in New York, it's not like that at all. You know, dude, it, you could yeah. spend years doing open mics and like you'll make some friends, but that's it. Yeah, I like the crew of dudes who I started doing open mics with here. The guy, I guess one encouraging thing is the guys who were uh, the guys and gals who were the good ones at those mics for the most part are still doing it and have yeah. had like some level of, of success. So that's, that's a, I think that's an encouraging thing to know, but it's a bleak scene. I mean, New York's open mics are the bleakest I think in the country, just cause there's not real audience there ever. It's only yeah, comics. Ever. It's always and, comics. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's a, it's a very true point that like just hanging out and getting to and having people see you on a regular basis is almost the better way to get booked. Cause man, after I did Letterman and the set went well, I was like, Oh, I should be able to do all the bar shows in this city. Yeah, now. Right. Fucking no, no? I, there's, there's bar shows that won't book my ass. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I have to do. Like when Letterman books you, but like, you know, gutter boy won't book you, <laughs> you know, yeah, or something that's... like, you know, it's which fine. That's their prerogative, but it's, like I bet I do okay, you know. Yeah. Like I, well, and it's but, a weird yeah. thing too because I I talked to a couple of people who run some open mics, um, and they, one of them literally told me they were like, oh well, just keep doing open mics and doing open mics, and then find a bar where you can start your own show, and then from there, if the show gets popular enough, people will figure you out, and people will find you. And I was like, that's no, 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 no. 
that I already <laughs> did that. Like yeah. I did all that shit already. Yeah. Like I'm I'm came here because it's like I'm here. Like I've right. got jokes. I've got stories nobody else has. Like let's go. And they're like, oh no, that's not how that works. No, it's it's massively frustrating, and I'm sure it's partially like a uh, a human economic supply demand thing, where the just yeah, the sheer the number of comics and of stuff. The market, and, yeah, and it's also weird that like you know the the year we're coming off, where comedy kind of didn't exist, so there was like a weird flooding of people who weren't even in this scene before who are now like many of them are running shows and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the people there, you know, that they're putting up, I don't know, you know, that doesn't mean yeah. they're not good, but like, I, these, but at the same they, time, you, it's like, but there, yeah, but there's a lot of, there's just so much that like, I, I, so many places and people now that I don't know, especially after this past year. And um, yeah, it would be nice, man. If just going up and being good was good enough to keep getting the job. And it just, isn't and i'm i'm someone who like you know i've been in a relationship for a very long time i like going home <laughs> so yeah. like i i'm not someone who's been who's done the best job of just hanging out and going to the diner at 3 a.m after all the shows you know uh so well, and that yeah. was a big thing with matt uh, when i first moved here because matt fulcheron was my only like friend in new mm -hmm. york and we weren't even that close like we had just he had done the podcast before and i had been following his career for a while but i was like well, I go to the stand every night that I'm off. I'm at the stand or the cellar like every mm -hmm. night. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I he, same thing. He's in a you know, he's getting he's engaged. He's about to get married. And he's like, right. I need to do a better job of coming out as well. And then he started coming and hanging out. And it was bananas because you came and hung out with us, too. And it's just so crazy because you guys have been doing this for so long and you're good and you've been on TV and you have your credits. There's like paid regulars that are passed everywhere and stuff. And they come up and say hi to you guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm like looking around like, why? Like what? And, <laughs> yeah, I've been you guys, here. You guys are <laughs> yeah. always just like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess we could do it. We just like to go home, though. And I'm like, what is <laughs> yeah. happening? I, what is happening is a good question. And Matt and I have had that exact conversation. We've, we've been friends for a long time. We met. Uh, we were both opening for Tom Segura uh, a little bit in like different places. Yeah. And then all that. So we met when Tom was here once and hung out. And Matt and I definitely have that similar thing where it's just like, oh, man, we're definitely we should be doing things we're not doing. And there's no real excuse for it. You know, uh, we just should. But but yeah, it would be nice if just being good was good enough. But yeah. it's not. And so it's like, all right. So now that it's not now, I have we all have this information and yeah, we can all go for it politics and do also yeah. and it's weird too because like i did a i had an audition uh two weeks ago and i thought it went really well it was a bringer show but there was 15 comics on it so there's over 100 150 people in the in the club and i went up and you don't you kind of are held in the back until it's your time to go up so i didn't really know what was happening mm. i went up and i did really really well and i was like man i've, I've been doing this a long time and like that was a good show for me mm -hmm. and i got off and one of the guys who works there was even like, dude, that was really good. I saw him the next day at an open mic. He's like, I just heard the crowd and like you did great. And I was like, awesome. And then I got an email, nothing about getting passed, nothing about getting booked, nothing. And I was just kind of it was like, oh, you can call us and like, we'll go over your set and we'll send you, you know, the the tape of it. And I was just kind of like, no, 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 I I killed it. Like right. that was that's, the audition. Now what? And it's like, yeah. were you were you guys watching? Are you watching the tape now? Yeah. And it's just like sports in my head because I played sports all the way through college. Yeah. So I'm always just like, no, I'm I'm good. So scoreboard. I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Scoreboard. Like, I, yeah, I crushed that. Like, what are we doing? Right. Yeah. And that's and that's a beautiful thing about sports that I envy now because, uh, you know, there I mean, yes, it's the. Uh, 
you're supposed to get undeniable and be so good that no one can say can say no to booking you for anything. Great. That's a great theory. There's yeah. four there's Only four problem people is comedy who are subjective. Yeah, comedy subjective. And it's like there is no scoreboard that you see. And people can say, you, you know, it's like, OK, the yeah, well, this person, the crowd liked them more. And that can be true. But also it's like, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you get invited back. That doesn't also to the other the on the other hand, like I had a uh, set at a club recently and I hadn't been past there in a few uh, like, you know, since before pandemic stuff. So it's been a while since I, I'd been there. And the first set I did, it was like fine, but it wasn't good i would say like for for me it was just like ah that was you know where it's like that was fine it was a professional job but it it didn't like feel like i hit it you know it's like yeah that's i killed it right and i was like that sucks and i probably won't be back there for a while and then they booked me like a bunch of times after that so it's like a reverse scoreboard where it's like i shouldn't be back here like based on that like i should be there based on career but not like the the show you guys saw like i don't know what we're judging here yeah, I, I've had comics um, and this is something that happened. I mean, it happens everywhere and it happened in Florida a lot, too. But in Florida, you like joke about it because there's no stakes. Mm-hmm. But in New York, I've, I've seen comics come off and they did not do well. And I hear them out like of the showroom talking with their friends. Like, Man, I killed it. I got an applause break. And it was like, you said, give it up for the nurses. And everyone, <laughs> cheered. that's not a, that's not an organic applause. Like. Yeah, like that's not true. No, that's not true. And it, I, I would like to see someone bomb with give it up for the nurses. Just, yeah, you know, it's just like I've uh, actually worked yeah. that into a bit I do about how because I talk a lot about I tell a lot of stories and it's a lot about like jail and drugs. And so if if you're a well-adjusted person, it could turn into a TED talk very quickly. Like if you're not in on the, the joke. <laughs> sure. Right. If they don't if they don't understand that this is fun for you, too. Yeah, exactly. You're OK with this. And sometimes people are like, oh, that's just sad. But I, I've developed like a, a mechanism where I I play on that whole comedy is subjective thing. And like I prove it by being like, give it up for the nurses and the troops and the and then I'm like, see, I can get you to clap if I want you to clap. And it's literally a bit that I've worked in about how dumb the audience is. And then people will still come off stage and be like, yeah, man, killed it. I'm like, no, you didn't. What? (laughs) Yeah, that's I mean, there's a certain there's just a certain type of person. That's one of the like archetypes of comics, the person who walks off stage and always killed like that. They're that they always think they killed. They've never bombed in their life. I mean, it's it's just a mindset. And it's I mean, it's speaking a different language to me because it's just you're either built like that or you're not. And it's I'm so hard on myself. I always think I bomb. Even when I people feel, are like that was great. I'm like, eh, I could have done better. I feel like I've had people tell me I'm hard on myself, but I like I think I give I give myself a lot of credit sometimes, too. Yeah, like I, I just think I tend to know when it went well. But I'm also very aware if it did not because I have the feelings yeah. know, and, like it, <laughs> and it feels bad and I hate it and want to die. So, you know, and, it, and that's even like. And you don't even have to like bomb to like want to die after you're yeah. set because you get to a point, you know, and you've been doing it since, like you said, 08, 09 too. Like you get to a point where you pretty much don't like bomb bomb anymore. You yeah, know, like there's where, ways around it. There's ways out of it. Yeah. Yeah. You just like even if the even if it's a weird show, like you get through it, it's fine. It's a professional job. So it's like I it's it's been it's been a long time since I've had like what I would consider a true bomb. But yeah, there's still been silence. plenty of days where I'm like, I'm 39 years old. What the fuck am I doing? You know, like <laughs> I, there's been there's been plenty of uh of those kinds of shows for sure. Yeah. And that's and that's a weird thing about it is like you said, we especially doing it for a long time, you have jokes in your back pocket. Maybe you don't want to use there are certain jokes. And I, I, I 
mess with Savannah, my girlfriend, all the time about this. It's like jokes that she helps me write or jokes. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, you know, I'm like going over them at the house and she'll be like, oh, why don't you say this? And I'm like, because that sounds incredibly hacky. And then I do it on stage. And of course, it gets the biggest laugh. The crushes, I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm like, I fucking hate everything about this. <laughs> sure. But I keep those in my back pocket. So I have them. So like you said, you never really once you've been doing it long enough, you never really like completely bomb. Right. Unless it's like a weird circumstance. But at the same time, I've had the feeling of like getting off stage and the stage had been shaking because like everyone was cheering so loud. So unless it's that I'm like, mm-hmm. I didn't do as well as I could have because mm-hmm. I know what that feeling is. And I think there is something probably tied into a sports mentality from that, too, because I think like the the comics I know who have like a some sort of sporting background, I think, tend to be more like that, tend yeah. to be more um, like understanding when you when you lost, when you won or when you won, but you've got but you you left some points on the board, you yeah, know, you, like, you know, it, it, you, you know, it could have gone the other way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I find because I relate because sports was so much of my life. I relate everything to that. And it's mm-hmm. it's almost to a detriment because I've seen people go up and crush and I'm looking around like they're cheating, like they're doing topical <laughs> right. material or they're doing stuff like they're humping the stool or they're doing like sure. really humping the stool is banging fruit. a trash can. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that, that, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. that's a, that is a that's a genuine genuine cheat yeah and And it's man it is such a bummer to i would rather follow someone who just tanks their tits off up there uh than follow someone who kills with bad shit yeah like because sometimes you'll be you know if i'm on the road and have some have have like a a feature an mc who i who i don't know who's just a a local guy so i like sometimes that that's fantastic and fun and cool to meet someone i wouldn't have met otherwise uh but sometimes it's people who just kill with like hack racist shit yeah and then i'm like oh man well if they're loving this they are gonna hate Hate me me. you know and weirdly it's not even like (laughs) and like that's always how i feel and weirdly that's not even always how it is because jokes still work you know if they're if they're good but then i but i'm going up already like hating the audience for (laughs) like for enjoying what came before me and they're just and they in some senses they're just being like they're trying to be a good crowd or be polite, but yeah, like watching someone kill with like jokes, you know, or someone else's jokes or hack stuff or racist stuff or whatever, you know, it's uh, yeah. I hate, hate having to follow that and pretend we're playing on the same team. Yeah. Because at this, it's almost like, like when I, I, so I, I play basketball every Sunday with a bunch of comics and it's, it's weird because some of them are good at basketball and then some of them are not. But it seems like the ones who aren't are the loudest. <laughs> yeah, basically like Philip Seymour Hoffman in a long can like Rain Man. <laughs> yeah, like they'll, they'll they'll happen to make a shot and they're like I'm on fire and I'm like, dude, like like there are real athletes here, right? But like, they're having who to play sports up. in college, like who know like and I I obviously exempt myself from that because I suck at basketball. But it's like there are guys who played basketball in college, right. like here, and you're trying to be like, yeah, I'm on the same level. It's like no, you're not. We right. happen to be at the same venue, but you're, we're not on the same level at all. No. And th- and I think that's, and, and I mean, uh, you can put that with an analogy to comedy too, because I think the people come off stage telling you they crushed it. Those, you know, those aren't like, those are never the best comics. Ever, like, those are ever. never like, that's never, that's never. I, I, and that's the thing I've said to people too, where it's like, you know, you, if, uh, if you're in the city or do, if you're doing comedy professionally at all for long enough, you, you just know people who are like, 
famous or at least comedy famous, you know, enough. Of oh, them. yeah. And people ask, like, oh, how's this person? How's that person? And for the most part, for me, the funniest people tend to be some of the best to deal with and like some of the best to talk to because I feel like they're some of the least full of shit about it because when you're not good I think people there's a lot of guys who who are not good who try to make up for that by telling everyone they're good yeah you know and uh and usually if they're telling you that there's not a lot of great guys who have to tell you that I mean I I know Chappelle calls himself the goat all the time on stage so I mean I guess he's telling you that and like Eddie Griffin tells you you know he'll talk about all his standing O's that's a different thing you know that's these are that's a different category but for the most part 99% of the time someone's like I crushed I crushed every time that guy sucks ass he's not going he's you're never going to see him again you know yeah and it's it's so weird how just like people are because you know obviously it's our experience so like the way I'm wired is the way I think everyone's wired Mm -hmm. so when people come off and they say that I'm always just like were were we watching the same show like what are we doing and no you're not because they're watching it from within their their own head and that's a different thing that exists uh, only there when did you um talking about comedy and everything when did you start touring and like doing comedy professionally because i know you've done a, a lot of different tv stuff and you do the serious show now so what like do you still like hold stand up as like that's the thing that you do and everything else is just kind of satellite or do you consider yourself more like oh i do tv but i also do stand up kind of thing stand up's one for okay. me cuz i mean that's the cuz that's the thing that i think um, I can't stop. <laughs> like yeah. I can't stop or I won't stop, whatever. That's the thing that's just there. And I think the thing that is like most, most natural to me and most natural to what, uh, you know, whatever my quote unquote skill set would be, I think is, is, is that. And yeah. I mean, like, I like doing TV stuff too. And in an, and in an ideal world, you know, if you're doing your own TV thing, your own radio thing, um, then that's, then that's great. And those are things I want to be doing too. Uh, but yeah, but, but the reality is like most, I'm, I've done a bunch of TV shit, but it's always like appearing on another show, right? Yeah. It's not like the Kevin show. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I did like world's dumbest on true TV from, for, for like six years. So I guess, I mean, in terms of like when I started getting paid for things, probably that. So I got on that show was like towards the end of 2008 and I'd been doing stand up for, in the city here for like a year and a half, I guess. How at that did you point. get the, did you get the show by like auditioning or did they see your stand up or how did that happen? So I, I had, uh, I had a writing job at VH1. I yeah, okay. wrote for you a comedy right show off, there. Yeah. That's what I left uh, Letterman to do. Yeah. And then I, uh, I, and then I was doing stand up after that ended is when I started doing stand up. Okay. So I, some people from VH1 knew, knew of me from that writing job and then saw me doing stand up after that so so then they and one of the producers on uh from from vh1 pitched me for the true tv show and then i went in they had like it started the show is called like the smoking gun presents world's dumbest in the early days and it was uh nothing but d-list celebrities it was danny bonaducci uh, i remember those yeah it's bonaducci tanya harding uh i remember Dude, I was on every episode. I was on 200 episodes of that. That's awesome. But I, but I was clean shaven and a little chubbier for most of it. So um, the like, well, it's funny, me, too, because yeah. you say that. And then and this is something I noticed when we all hung out at the stand. But like when you talk, there's certain words that you'll say. And I'll be like, that sounds I recognize that voice. Like, right, that like you've heard familiar. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I myself and another comic named Mike Trainer. Uh, were both people who sort of when they were like, we should have some people who are actually funny on the show. 
Uh, then Mike Trainer and I ended up being the two comics that sort of in the audition. Oh, and Chelsea Peretti too. Okay. Me, me Mike and Chelsea Peretti were kind of like the first three comics they had on there where they're like, all right, we have all these dealer celebrities popping up and saying stuff. Something should be funny. So yeah, eventually we're going to need humor. <laughs> right. So me, Mike, uh, Chelsea, and then eventually like Judy Gold was on there. Um, but uh, yeah, brought us on. So that was, and I had like, I think when that started, I had just started featuring. Um, okay. So I just started doing, you know, if people, uh, and in a typical show, you have the MC, the feature is the guy who goes next, and then the headliner. So yeah. I had like just started featuring when I got that show. And that all started in New York. That like you mm-hmm. had no other, and you're originally from Chicago though, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From I Chicago. I know because you uh, mentioned the Bulls earlier, and then you have the podcast about the, Cubs about the Cubs I'm currently wearing a Cubs hat yeah I uh yeah I'm, I'm uh, the way I say the words Chicago and mom Chicago uh, yes give me away <laughs> otherwise I feel like I have a fairly flat broadcastery accent but yeah. Chicago and mom uh, a couple of the A's will, will get me sometimes but um yeah so that's really like st- I just had just started featuring and then got that show and then was like you know did that show for forever for yeah for, like until 2014 and then did the vh1 i love the so 2000s you never had and, like uh for lack of a better term like a regular job out of college or anything because you were on letterman and then you did all that and then you went right into vh1 yeah i went right into vh1 had a writing job for eight weeks and then that went away and then i was like unemployed uh and tempt for about a year oh okay so but there was like there was like a year yeah, like 2007 was bad. And then, <laughs> and then like halfway through 2008, uh, I, I, yeah, got like, I got several things at once. Like I started featuring, got the True TV uh, gig, and then I uh, got a writing job, another writing job at Fuse. But yeah, it's, it's since then, it's been, it's been lucky that, you know, in the past, for the vast majority of my time and for the past like 12 years here, it's just been you know, performing or writing. Yeah. And that's awesome because you know this and so the listeners, but I, I work in restaurants and it's funny because I've run into comp, like professional comedians um, like Matt, like you and stuff. And it's, it's interesting because the, the advice they always give me is don't because I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, I work in a nicer place. This is the money I make. And they go, don't ever quit. Ever. <laughs> right, <'cause>, yeah. <laughs> like, Matt tells me all the time. He goes, until you are so busy, he goes, I don't give a shit if you're making a ton of money on Patreon until you are so busy that you just honestly have to tell them like, hey, I got to take the next couple months off because I have so much going on. He's right. like, don't ever quit. Yeah, I think that's I think that is definitely good life advice, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. You know, and also because it's like even if things are going OK in this, it's just the thing of like never having the next thing guaranteed. Right. So it's like, yeah, and it's I, crazy, you know, and like, not that like working restaurants is like guaranteed, guaranteed, but, but it's at like, the same time, it's stable. Yeah, versus exactly. This. And it's funny because that's not some of my other friends have regular office jobs and I'm like a crazy person to them because it's so unstable. But compared <laughs> yes. to comedy and show business, it's more <laughs> stable than anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there is. There is a real like tiered system yeah. of like of livability here. And like, and yeah. it's weird, too, because I so during the pandemic, I know some people who kind of blew up on Instagram and TikTok and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm a comic and an asshole. So like, I'm always checking their Patreon to see how much they're making. Sure. And it's weird because once it hits a certain point, you're like, oh, they're set for life. Like they're never going to have to work again because they have X number of, uh, you know, Patreon Mm -hmm. subscribers and stuff. And then I'll check it like six months later and it's dropped by like a ton. And it's like, oh, 
that's not even people who are loyal fans at the yeah. time aren't even guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's like I I have a, a podcast or I have a couple of podcasts, but I uh, the one that's that the most people listen to is uh, was a podcast myself and a very funny TV writer named John Daly uh, did together. And we watched Sex in the City for the first time oh, yeah. uh, two years ago. So it's called Sex in the City. It's and then we did an, another one uh, called the Bridgerton Bros. So we're just like guys watching a couple of girls shows, basically. Yeah. Um, but the fans we have from that, it's like it is not sustainable money on our Patreon. But like there is there's like a core nugget of people who seem like they won't leave. But otherwise, it's gone up and down. And yeah. the, the core is not enough to survive on <laughs> at all. The core <laughs> is like, you know, uh, electric bill done. There we go. Yeah, you there know? we but go. Like, got it. That, that's about it. But um, yeah, it's it's it seems like that would be very sustainable. And that's interesting you say that because I'm I'm not uh, as aware of that. And that, that makes sense. But I didn't know that people who were making a bunch of, on Patreon were seeing those dips. Like yeah. It, it, well, and I just do it out of spite mainly because mm-hmm. there's a couple of guys where I'm like, oh, yeah, you're not a comment. Like you got popular doing like a dumb thing. And like, oh, I don't yeah. I don't like your st- like and it's just me being petty and bitter. But I'm sure. like and I was for some of them. I love their stand up, but I'm just so angry that they got everything that I've always wanted so quickly. And I'm jealous. <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. oh, sure. Um, yeah, so I go back and I check and I go, good. I'm glad yeah. you've dropped from like 10 grand yeah. a month to six grand to four grand. Yeah. Don't be able to plan a life for you and your kids. Yeah. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Yeah. And so I mean, and also so many of the like biggest like Patreons, it's like you see how they got to the big money and it's like, oh, you cut out the comedy part. And yeah, I mean that there's so many guys who like a big thing in comedy used to be still sometimes is, I guess, uh, where you have a complaint about something and then you find a way to make that complaint funny. Yeah. And, the Burr approach. Yeah, right. Exactly. He perfect example of that. It seems like some of the Patreon people I'm thinking of, uh, they do that, but they don't do the funny part anymore. They just do the complaint part yeah. and, the, you know, and it's just complaints. And apparently there's a pretty solid market for that. So it's insane. I, the, it, amount yeah. of, the amount of people I see, because I, I, I'm always looking at numbers and like, I, I, it's fascinating to me just because on paper, I'm like, oh, I have some unique life experiences that I think people could connect with. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves, uh, you know, a, uh, a comeback story. And, you know, I was on the precipice of death and now I'm in New York doing comedy. And in my head, I'm like, on paper, this should be working. And then yeah, I look yeah. at my numbers compared to other people's numbers <laughs> and I go, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, it's not working. And it's like, you know, it's it's uh, it's not not working till it is. So yeah. is what, and you, that's is what the you crazy hope, thing right? is you just need one person to shout shout out one thing on one platform and all of a sudden it's your numbers will like I had I'll never forget a couple of months ago I had like three or four people on from a podcast that I like so I had them on and then I had uh, charge on and then I had uh, Craig Coleman on so I had like four LA people on in the span of like a month and a half and I went and checked my numbers and I was getting like close to like almost 10,000 downloads for like that that stretch and I was like oh my god like I just started this podcast less than a year ago I was only at like 1500 to 2000. Now I'm almost at 10. And then I went back and checked my numbers like a month ago because I went back to having just, you know, regular comics on and normal people on Mm -hmm. and it's shot all the way back down. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, yeah. Oh, this isn't (laughs) this is so fickle. 
Oh, yeah. Kevin McCaffrey's not going to give you that big a pop. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'll get a few. But uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, weird, too, because I've had people on who have like, you know, a, a pretty, in my opinion, because I don't even have over a thousand followers. I've had people on who have like 10, 15, 20,000 followers and they tweet it and retweet it. And I've seen no movement. And I'm oh, like, yeah. what? what is happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got like, I mean, I have like 10,000 on Twitter and then like. 80 some thousand on TikTok, but which is like not nothing, but also it's like it sounds like more than it tangibly feels like. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's for like, sure. It's, you know, extreme Seinfeld voice. Who are these people? You know, where it's just <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't I don't really know. I'm happy for him. But like, yeah, it doesn't do it's such a small percentage of the people who follow you that even see all your stuff, you or know, even and if, yeah, interact at all or anything. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'm noticing is that it seems like it's the same six people that like my stuff and like will comment and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, so even though I've got, you know, all these people on there, like nobody's nobody's seeing anything. Oh, yeah. No, 10,000 followers. I'm good for 32 likes on a yeah, post. You, you know what good I mean? Stuff. It's like that's if it's popping above that, it really did numbers. But like, you know, there's like a core just you're going to get. This, I hate yeah. everything about this. <laughs> it sucks, wanna, man. That's, that's, that's why you get on stage and be like, isn't this yeah. funny? And yeah. people are like, what are your Instagram numbers like? And they're like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. How about Not, that? Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> That's my number. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, you had sent me a list of a few stories. And sure. since Halloween is coming up, it is. You, you had Halloween fight on there. I wanted to ask you about that. What was happening there? Yeah, so I was in college at uh, Ball State University in Indiana. And the uh, we went to a Halloween party. I got a house where I lived with uh, a group of people. Were all, they were all my best friends who, well, we all moved to New York together, too. And uh, oh, wow. at the, uh, like, and they work in TV and comedy and stuff, too. And we went out to a friend's party that was like three blocks from our house and uh but me and my my friend shane finished we split like a 15 uh split a 30 pack of old style like that day there beforehand and i don't even know what my costume was i had a sombrero which is not great no, today not but it also i don't think was i don't think it was like a costume of any sort just like we had a prop sombrero i'm like all right i'm dressed up uh <laughs> you know in the end so i <laughs> we went and uh my I know my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, she and our other and uh, one of our other good friends were dressed as dead hookers. And uh, always a classic. Absolutely. So I and I had a couple roadies with me because God forbid I go one second without putting this poison in my body. <laughs> and uh, I after only had 15 old styles before this. So pre-mixed what our drink was, uh, our like house drink uh, uh, in Indiana. It was bullfrog, which is Mountain Dew, Kool-Aid and vodka. Um, that sounds disgusting. It is disgusting, but you don't taste the alcohol. So for a beginner, go. for a real beginner problem drinker, it's not that bad. It's like hunch punch. I remember the first time I drank hunch punch. I was like, I think I had just finished high school and someone gave me some. And that's where they put like the Kool-Aid with the different like there's four different alcohols in it, but they mix okay. so much fruit and Kool-Aid and sugar with it. You can't taste it. Kool-Aid third yeah. one. I was like vomiting like just red i thought it was blood i'm crying yeah. and i was like oh, i'm yeah. gonna die right and that's and that's a good uh that's a good tip for the new drinkers out there is you gotta pick a kool-aid color that is different from what's in your body yeah. so you know so it's a little more comforting like well green or not blue. blue don't ever yeah, do exactly. red right exactly so I, I anyway i'm hammering bullfrogs too eventually i black out and at some point um some guy sucker punches me 
he uh, just sucker punches me in the side of my head from behind. Oh, and Jesus. I fell down, went face first into a curb. Oh, my God. So this but, is outside. Yeah, outside, outside this house. And I was so drunk that I just thought I fell. Um, I, I didn't know someone punched me. Yeah, you uh, just thought you tripped. Uh-huh. And then I heard the guy go, uh, get up. I'll kick your ass twice tonight, motherfucker. And I was like, <laughs> so that's me discovering on the ground that someone's mad. Yeah. Uh, and you I, have no and idea what happened. None. And so, so I just said, I fucking doubt you will. And stood up <laughs> and like was looking for him. And I didn't know who he was. And of course, this is little. My name is Kevin Brian McCaffrey, which is important for this detail, because I'm telling you, this is a little jacked Mick, this little, this little redheaded fuck, this just uh, fired up like leprechaun Irish kid. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know why he was mad at me. I uh, still don't. But he uh, he's the guy who did it. And then I went at him, didn't really get anything good in. And then like people were, you know, separated, separating you. us, whatever. Cops show up. It's very confusing. Uh, all so this you stayed. You stayed for the cops to show up and everything. Yeah. You once. Yeah. Until someone told me to leave. And then okay. so I saw <laughs> and, and that is an important detail because I saw the cop lights and uh, my wife and our friend Elizabeth were both in the bathroom during all this. So they come out. There's cop cars. And there's no Kevin. And uh, someone tells them like, yeah, Kevin got in a fight and he left. And, and my wife is like, what the fuck? So I went home with a friend of mine and my friend who uh, actually is a Florida guy. He went okay. to West. He went to West Florida for uh, a year and then uh, in Pensacola and then came yeah. back. Um, but he just starts telling me a story that didn't happen, like convincing me that he's convinced me that the cops beat me up. And really, I was a, I believe this because I was blackout drunk. I was concussed. I found out later I had a hairline skull fracture. Oh, my God. There was like blood in my eardrum that they found later. But my face is really fucked up. And so he tells me the cops did it. And so I'm on the phone with my girlfriend. She's like, where'd you go? And I was like, I got in a fight with the cops. And she's like, the cops. And then I hear our friend Elizabeth yell, fuck the police, like from yeah. behind. Yeah. Just a good fuck the police uh, behind that. And my friend Justin, who was the guy who convinced me this happened, is chanting oh. Rodney King uh, really? behind me. <laughs> He's behind me. Maya. Sorry, someone rang the buzzer. Yeah, no problem. Right when and you said Rodney King. Hang on, let me figure <laughs> yeah, this out. Sure. So the best part about doing this show is yeah. I have all this equipment I've spent time and money and energy and since moving to new york i cannot get through a single fucking episode without uh, either the dog freaking out or the buzzer getting rang or both mm -hmm. yeah no it's a it, it's it's a it's tight quarters <laughs> but, yeah, but, that, it's but that's insane right. because in florida we had a, like a separate room that i would record in so it was like a little studio and i never had any of these issues and now whether I'm doing a Zoom or someone in the house, like there's always mayhem happening. It turns know? out it's a terrible place for media. And this yeah. is where and this the is where like a third of, of it the is, world. you know, so um, yeah. But, but what happened? So Rodney King, fuck the police. Rodney King chant. Uh, absolutely. None of this is is uh, <laughs> none of this is great. And then uh, I'm at home. My wife gets back and I'm explaining the story to her that never happened. But my friend Justin convinced me to just you, yeah. new facts are coming into my concussed, fractured 
skull uh and i'm just making up things and there's a guy behind me my friend pete who's now like a very uh, very successful producer in la is standing behind me just shaking his head like none of no. like <laughs> like not not saying anything because you don't want to engage the me in this in the in this case but just so my wife knows this didn't happen but he's wearing a tiny cowboy hat and he has a little vest. So the <laughs> Halloween aspect just makes everything more insane that a, cow yeah. a tiny cowboy uh, is behind me being like, no, don't listen to that guy. He's crazy. With the sombrero uh, on. <laughs> yes. So the next morning I wake up and the literally the first thing I said to my girlfriend was uh, the cops didn't beat me up. <laughs> and she was, was like the first thing you said yeah and she's like yeah it didn't seem like it uh but <laughs> but you you know you seemed convinced in the moment but the first thing the next morning i was like oh yeah that no that didn't happen like that so. yeah and it's it's it, i find that funny because i i've you know gotten into a tussle or two with uh the police and <laughs> i believe it yeah and in every case the cops don't just beat you up and leave like normally <laughs> you end up in in a cell somewhere going like ah, i shouldn't have fought back at the police right that's a that's a good point it wasn't i didn't fucking bonnie and clyde it i wasn't yeah, getting just away just fight them and know? then be yeah. like all right we're square right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that would be that would be a story yeah that <laughs> what um so were you always like a big uh drinker or have was it something you kind of came into because i've had people on the show who are sober now or who like were party animals and still to this day are like that or like kind of like I know uh, a few people I've had on talk about it where they were drinkers when they were younger and now that they're older, they just kind of dabble in it. But like what? Well, that sounds nice. Yeah. Were you um <laughs> always because you're an Irish guy? Were you always uh -huh. a big drinker? Yes, I started. <laughs> <No hesitation. laughs> yeah, I started pretty early. Uh, I started first drink was at my friend's 13th birthday party. There you go. Uh, Get some. I, I was 12 and uh, I was young for my grade. And uh, but my friend. Paniotis was the guy's name, very Greek. Uh, and their family was like super European. So they just like, don't give a shit, just alcohols yeah. everywhere. And uh, so, yeah, but I, I started drinking regularly, probably 14, 15, I guess. Oh, wow. Def definitely all through, uh, all through high school, very hard in college. And I mean, I'm 39. Like I said, my album's called Nice and Drunk. Yeah. Uh, I, it is, it is a significant part of my life, I suppose. I've, uh, I, I drink quite a bit, quite frequently. It seems like it's going to keep happening. Uh, and <laughs> uh, my friends, I have friends like, uh, so a couple of great comics, Sean Donnelly and Dan St. Germain. Okay. Um, but we're talking about me as a drinker once. And Donnelly is like, you just get Mad Men drunk. <laughs> Sean's like, oh, really? I can't even tell that you're drunk. You yeah. get, like, you just, you seem like you got it together. I'm like, I do not. For sure. It's just, <laughs> I, I just speak properly. I think I just seem, and Dan said, uh, Dan's like, every time I see you, I feel like it's my older brother coming to get me out of trouble. Oh, and, really? uh, and it's like, yeah, well, your older brother's fucked. <laughs> you know, like it's, I think it's a much, I'm a much, uh, yeah, I'm a big drinker. And I think more than people, uh, than people would guess. I yeah. Think, well, and know. it's, it's interesting. I've, uh, had this thing in college where I, I was always like the party starter. And I know I've talked about it on the show where like people would invite me because I'd get everyone. I'd be like, let's do a shot. Let's do a shot. Mm -hmm. But then by like 12 or 13 for me, I would get really quiet. And 
it was saying 2012 13 no 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 like 12 or 13 shots in i would start to get oh okay quiet. i thought you meant age i was like is well, this age or year actually same <laughs> thing saying, no, no, yeah, no. yeah so but, yeah it yeah. was around that time though 2012 13 but i would get really quiet after about closer to 15 shots i would start to get real quiet <laughs> sure and yeah. it's funny because people who knew me real well other people would be like oh brennan's so wasted they're like no he's not he's being loud he's just he's basically acting Right. And then when I'd get quiet and sit on the couch, they go, now he's hammered. Now he's hammered. <laughs> right. And they're like, why? He's being so calm. And they go, yep, that's yeah. exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's why. the gear, Yeah, the <laughs> things slipped out of gear over here. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> the car just stalled. And it's just like, I'm just like, I'm functioning. I'm awake, but I'm just sitting there in silence. And they're like, man, he's not having a good time. They're like, no, he's pretty hammered. He's actually probably having a great time. <laughs> yeah. He's all right. He's done. He was the he was the the booster on the rocket ship. Yeah, you you came in early. You set. You got the party to orbit, and then you sunk to the sea. Yeah, you were discarded and fell back to, Just, to Earth. I, I, I had uh, my buddy. The reason why I started this podcast, my the original ex drinking buddy or drinking buddy Dan on, and he was telling me. I was reminiscing with him. And I was like, remember when you guys used to invite me to parties? And then about two hours in, you just send me downstairs and turn on the TV. <laughs> just like send me to a room and like leave. He's like, yeah, I do remember that. And I was like, yeah, OK, cool. Just as long as I didn't imagine that. That's that's very funny. And that's almost what I do naturally. I think it's like I'll yeah, drink, I just want to get I'll away drink for a while everybody. and then I'll go away. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. The same way when I'm drinking, yeah. it's just like. People used to be like, man, being an alcoholic must be so expensive when I used to drink. And I go, not really. I can get a handle of vodka for twenty six dollars. Yeah. And then I just go home like yeah. I don't understand what you're talking about. No, that's like it's it's cheaper than uh, a night of sushi. You know, yeah. it's oh, like yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And this 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 should last you. I don't know. Two days. You yeah. Know? It, lasts, it normally yeah. lasted about thirty six hours. So yeah, it's exactly. like, yeah, I got a day and a half. I don't eat once I start drinking like I'm good. Right. It's actually. Totally incredibly cost effective to be an alcoholic <laughs> yeah as long as you're not being fancy about it there's yeah you're yeah. not going out to bars and picking up tabs no the impact per fluid ounce is actually quite significant you know yeah yeah speaking of impact per fluid ounce yes. i wanted to ask you all you put was barf wallet or wallet barf what was that about yeah so in uh when i i am lucky to be even though i'm someone who, who drinks a lot has drank a lot for a long time almost almost exclusively liquor i'm not much of a yeah beer i'm drinker. same way i never understood beer or wine no it's just like more stuff in my body i'm like no i'm doing this to make me feel a certain way i don't yeah. you know like uh yeah just just put it in me yeah <laughs> you know, this is... what is that kyle canadian <laughs> joke like drinking beer is like driving down the street and you're like oh this is our exit let's get off gear drinking liquor is like taking a spaceship down the interstate <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm a spaceship guy yeah i'm here yeah <laughs> yeah so when i was uh, w uh when i was 20 I uh, like, oh, what I was saying, I've, I've been lucky to not barf. Like I'm not someone who typically gets okay. stomach sick. Uh, so I've only barfed a few times in, in my life, but the times I have have been notable, I guess. Yeah. And one of them uh, I barfed in my wallet. And how does that what explain? Great that. question. So I uh, was home over winter break uh, in suburban Chicago. And uh, a friend of mine was like, all right, we found this microbrewery that won't card you if you're indian or persian uh okay. so it was like okay racism for good finally and uh my so my friends cyrus sunil and armin uh took we the four of real names the four of us went to this place and we were 20 we were all 20 and it worked like the white kid went to the corner and they went up they got served at uh, uh and they brought two 
uh, we had two sampler platters of like 10 mini beers a piece, like okay, flights, like a I guess. flight. Yeah, yeah. So Cyrus and I each had 20. And then Jeez. you do what you do after 20. We went to Taco Bell. Yeah. So the last thing I remember is taking a bite out of a bean burrito that was definitely not my bean burrito. <laughs> uh, it was it was one of those things where like uh, I was you know just drunk at a Taco Bell and the person next to me like I get the at the other table like turned and I was just like well I could just take that burrito. Oh, so this wasn't even a friend's bean burrito. This was no, I took someone else's bean burrito. I was just like they turned around. Why don't I do this all the time? Yeah. And then I took a bite out of it and the last thing I remember is saying, "I man, I fucking hate beans. I hate." Beans beans because i do i hate beans and uh then i woke up and when i woke up i had that feeling like you know you're an asshole but you don't know why yet yeah you know where it's like yeah. i know i just oh, yeah. have the vibe i'm sure you've had this many times oh yeah ago. a lot oh man it, yeah i have it, i used yeah. to have it waking up i used to have it going into work where I was like, I've done something terrible and now mm -hmm. I need to like go into the restaurant and someone be like, hey, bro, he's alive. Oh, and tell God. me what I did. It is all the, the time. I used to live with that feeling. It's a, it's a brutal feeling. Yeah. If you have any shame and I have oh, a yeah. lot where it's just like that is I've I, quit jobs over that feeling, like just not showing up a billion percent. I would absolutely do that. I would I, I would end friendships for their sake. I would, yeah. you know, like. So I did. I woke up and I slept over at uh, Cyrus and Armin's house. They're twins, and uh, I, I woke up Cyrus. I was like, "Dude, did I do anything weird last night?" And he was like, <laughs> "He was like, you don't know. You you really don't know." And I was like, "No, I I would have left." It's uh, always the worst too when they play it like it's a game. Yeah. Oh, you can't remember. No, yeah. that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, this is why this Cyrus, is seems like. Tell me what happened. Right. And apparently I passed out on the couch. Uh, they were still up listening to music. And then at some point I just like bolted upright in on the couch like a zombie, uh, went for my winter jacket, dug through it, pulled out my wallet, opened up the cash part of the wallet and then just bleh, just went, just blasted it. Wow. And then I folded the wallet oh, no. back up because I'm classy and I do not leave a job undone. And I went up the stairs and uh, waved to their mom, who was still up, because this is only like 11 p.m. somehow. Yeah, it's and, not uh, 2 in the morning. <laughs> no. I walked up the stairs, opened the front door, and threw the wallet into the front yard, and then just went to sleep. Like, job well done, I guess. <laughs> and so I was like, dude, there's, there's no way I did all that and don't remember any of it. Why didn't you stop me? And Cyrus was like, you look like you knew what you were doing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that I definitely... A lot of a lot of confidence inspiring moves. Oh my god, you look like you were you knew what you were doing. Yeah, I mean, moving with confidence. I probably was moving with confidence, I guess. But yeah, well, that I, it's to your point. That's something that uh, uh, one of my favorite law professors always told me was: if you say or do anything with confidence, people will believe you. I, it, that's not wrong. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of what comedy is, honestly. Oh you know, yeah, ask the just... stool humping guy who killed. You know, yeah. like. I just do. I just humble stool confidence and people are like <laughs> buying in. It's it's interesting, though. I cannot because I have had that where I'm doing something and I'm like, you guys were all there. And they're like, mm -hmm. you look like you knew what you were doing. Yeah. I didn't question we, it. We believe in freedom, man. Uh, you know, it's always the best when it works out, though. Mm -hmm. Like I when it I like know, ends up when it turns out you did know what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had it before when I was much younger and I was living in Daytona. I worked at a 
a tanning salon and a lot of like bouncers and bartenders would come in there and I would man sure. the front desk. So I got to know a lot of them. And so then when I would go out with my friends, I was underage, but I could always like just walk, like I could always get into clubs and stuff. Yeah. So I remember one night I, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, let's go out. And they're like, well, we can't. I was like, yeah, we can. You're with me. And I said it like with so much zeal and confidence. And then we got to the club that we were going to. And the person I knew was not at the door, but I just walked in like I always did. And yeah. nobody said anything. And I was just like, see, I told you guys I knew what I was doing. I mean, that's that's a magical feeling. And also it's I mean, that's a tough feeling to top, honestly, oh, yeah. like being the being the like the leader of the pack of an underage group that goes to a place you didn't thought you could get into. And it actually works is fucking legendary. That's oh, a yeah. legendary feeling. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, I'm going to do this all the time. And then you, you try it again. And they're like, get <laughs> yeah. the fuck out of here. Yes. You cannot recapture the magic at yeah. all, even though you tried so hard. Oh, yeah, totally. What um so are you um are you a big music guy? Do you like are you a big concert guy and stuff? Yeah, I like I like music. Uh yeah, I'm I'm into music. I, I uh well because I, I right. obviously you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I uh I mean I'm a white guy from the Midwest who grew up in the 90s, so it's like I have, Matthews, I've baby. been to a Dave Matthews concert or yeah, two. Weirdly, I like I actively was trying to like not like Dave Matthews through the 90s, and then I so went many to so many people were, but and uh, yeah, you can't help but when it comes on. I'm a you know, I was born in 88. So like the 2000s is more my wheelhouse. But even even how much I try to resist it and be like, no, this is garbage. Like it comes on and you're like, yeah, let's fucking run through the halls, man. Let's go. (laughs) It's fun. And so I ended up going to a concert and it was fun. And I was like, all right. So I went with uh, and then I went to another one with friends of mine, my now wife and a couple other college friends. And this is a concert just outside Indianapolis. But uh, we pre-gamed so hard that like I blacked out. I definitely was browning out on the way there yeah. where it's I was going in and out. We were drinking rum that day, which is unusual for me, Ooh. but I uh, had a lot of it. The elements I know, I'll, I'll keep it short, but basically I know that I uh, was trying to bring a roadie into the concert and our designated- That is not allowed. It's not allowed, never is. And uh, our designated driver kept being like, Kevin, no, you can't do this. It won't work. And I kept being like, uh, I kept being like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'll write you a check. I kept saying, I'll write <laughs> you a check. And like, I don't even know what that, what sense that makes because it's not like you don't get to pay to get in. Uh, like, all right, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, right, so, check. and then I was so fucked up that I remember standing on the lawn knowing consciously that Dave Matthews was playing, but also consciously having the thought that, man, it's going to be great when Dave gets up there. Oh so I was God. like, so I was like in a sort of other dimension of sorts. And I kept bumping into the guy, like these guys in front of us who kept turning around and rightfully looking hard at us like what the fuck are you doing and my friend kevin fetter was next to me the same guy offered to write a check uh he like he's apologizing for me this whole time and i kept bumping into these guys they turn and look and i go fetter kick their ass i got your back i kept saying (laughs) fetter kick their ass i got you don't worry about it you do i got you i ran away barefoot at some point to the bathroom which is disgusting it's amazing i'm not dead uh that have and then when when we got home, I woke up, I woke up at like 530 in the morning on the couch of my college house. And I literally my first thought was like, did they just leave me here? I I had, oh, no, mem- you had no recollection of 
No, and then it was like the thing where a couple snapshots came back from the night, and I was like, oh no, they didn't I was, me. I was definitely there. Oh shit. So I think this is a good little event that encapsulates a lot about me, both from a blackout drinking perspective and from a just full of shame and guilt perspective, is that uh, the four other people, there was like four or five other people in that house who went to the concert with me. And before they woke up, I hand wrote each one of them a personal apology letter and like slipped it under all their doors. That's nice. <laughs> like Because it was that feeling we're talking about where it's like, you know, you're an asshole, you blacked out. And it's just like, there's no cure but time. Yeah. You know, like you can't do anything. So I just, yeah. Yeah, that was the thing that I always had to learn the hard way was I like I said, I there are jobs where I just didn't come back because mm-hmm. like I had my steady like day job at the the restaurant, the brunch restaurant I worked at. And then when I got my second DUI, I kept trying to get a night job to pay for it mm-hmm. and I'd get hired because I had all this experience. But then like after I would get through the week of training and then I'd start showing up drunk. And then by like the third or fourth shift, I was like, I'm just not like I showed up drunk three shifts in a row. I got sent home one of them. I just started like I'm just not going back. <laughs> right. You're basically doing the manager's job at that point. Too, yeah. We are like, just so you know, this isn't working out. Yeah, like exactly. I, I like I could keep coming, I guess, but you shouldn't let me. So <laughs> yeah. I just so instead of going in and feeling like guilty and shameful, I was like, I guess I'm just not going back. That's a very relatable vibe. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's interesting that you hand wrote notes. There are times, yeah, where I've had to do the, uh, hey, you guys, like, <laughs> sorry about that. And it's, it's interesting because there are times where I felt that. Now, tell me if this is the same for you, where I felt that feeling. But it turns out it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like, this is I like, thought yeah. I, I was like, like, there was one time I remember. I was flirting with this girl and I was kind of making an ass out of myself. And I remember the next time I saw her at work, I was like, this is going to be so embarrassing. I went up and apologized. And she was like, for what? And I was like, well, I was kind of being like real, like over the top the other day. And she goes, no, we were just having a good time. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's amazing. It feels like it, it it feels like almost like you're not even getting the whole story, but also what a peek into the world of what assholes average guys must oh be. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's just like the bar man, is so low. Oh, I've experienced that so much where it's just like, I'm not good, but like, it's yeah. amazing how good in comparison this trash can apparently is. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very, and I guess that's, that's like uh, when Sean Donnelly would say, like, you get Mad Men drunk. He's like, I can't tell. I'm like, I don't know how you can't tell. This yeah. feels insane to me. But you it, know, like, it's one of those things where you're not like breaking windows or punching holes in walls. So everyone's like, right. oh, he's fine. And it's like, that's the bar. That's yeah. the bar. <laughs> Apparently it is. Yeah. And it's like and still don't always clear it. But, you yeah. know, I guess clear <laughs> it enough, you know. Every once in a while, you end up fucking with your head on a curb thinking you passed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blaming the cops and, uh, you know. We're in a sombrero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for um, having me, man. Of course. I had a great Yank. time. Sorry for some of the technical difficulties. Please just, tell your doggy I say hello. I will. It's just living in New York with, with dogs, especially a 16-year-old dog. It can get kind oh, of Oh, I, I, I'm i such a rough. dog. I'm, I'm a huge dog person. I, I, I love it. God yeah, bless. I, I, I love them. I, we've got two. One of them's really big and fun. The other one's just kind of old and sickly. And, and so... It's weird. She'll sleep 90% of the time. But then when she's not sleeping, it's just like, ah, ah. <laughs> right. She's like, on the what air. Do you want? Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do appreciate you putting up with it. Plug everything one more time where people can find you. Some of the dates you have coming up, everything. 
Sure. So Palm Harbor, Palm Harbor, Florida. I'm going to be there uh, November 19th and 20th. I'm going to be in Illinois in December. I'm in Massachusetts uh, at the end of this month. And uh, you can find all my stuff. Just follow me at Kevin McCaff on all the things, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And uh, I've got all all my live dates there and the podcast and radio show and all that shit. And if you want to hear my my uh, my old album from three years ago, I'm, I'm uh, working on the next one, but it is called Nice and Drunk and that's everywhere. That's everywhere too. So Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. Thank you everybody so much for listening. Uh, check me out, Brennan T Comedy on all social media, brennantcomedy.com for the merch and the dates. And then subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash Brennan Tassif. Thank you again, Kevin, for coming on and we will talk to you all next week. Thanks.